Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 104. One day, I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. Howdy, howdy, howdy do. Hope you guys have had a fantastic week. I thought you were still in Wurzel mode for a minute. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Yeah. Oh, good news. Wurzel related. Oh, uh, yeah. I tracked down a box set on eBay. Oh, really? And it arrived yesterday. So, yay. Oh, Britt, what's that? The complete? The complete stuff, yeah. Oh, you've got some hours of fun there. Indeed, yeah, I would, yeah. Has it got the New Zealand stuff on it as well? Yeah. Or is it just the classic? Yeah. Has it? Because I haven't got them. I've only yeah. got the whole... UK stuff and never got the New Zealandy stuff. I might have to get that as well. Down under, it's cold, isn't it? Even though it's That's in New it. Zealand, it's yeah. Anyways, enough about Wurzel. Doctor Who. This is this is not a Wurzel Gummage podcast. This is not. We said that loads of times. This is not a Star Wars podcast. This is not <laughs> Ghostbusters. Right. So, howdy, do Who fans. We hope you guys have had a fantastic week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related at some point. Uh, how have you been, buddy? I've been really good, thanks. Yeah, not too bad at all. I've Had, seen um, uh, some pictures online of a uh, certain Mr. Foster. Yes, your old mate, yeah. Ben Foster. Yeah, so I've actually, I'm, I've currently, well, I, I've got a piano, an electric piano, um, very close to me na- now as we record, actually, um, in my house, which was bought from his brother, Nick Foster. Ah, yes. Um, we went and collected it on Sunday, and because um, I do tinkle the old ivories for anyone that doesn't know. Um, <laughs> weird thing was, we didn't know it was them when we sort of arranged buying it. It was all a bit, it all sort of came about as we were setting up the sale. Um, but anyway, yeah, long story short, when I picked up the keyboard slash piano, uh, Nick was there. He's a BAFTA nominated musician himself, um, and he signed it and uh his brother ben who obviously conducted all the dot two proms and that we've mentioned him a few times haven't we mm-hmm. um he was there as well so we dragged him out of the kitchen to sign it and i got a quick picture with him so that was that was really nice so yeah i've got it here i've been playing it uh quite a bit i'm sure the neighbors are loving it <laughs> that's awesome and, uh, yeah 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 no it's really good actually because i i used to play a lot and i'm i'm a bit rusty and it but it is surprising <laughs> how sort of things stick with you like some of the tunes, I just literally sat down and played it like I, I don't know how it's still in my memory, it just played away. So yeah, it's really nice to have that. Yeah. I can only play a few tunes on the old, uh, on the old ivories. There's two songs that just Chopsticks. in my muscle. No, there's just two songs in my muscle memory that I can just always play whenever I sit at a piano and that's Richard Marks right here waiting. Oh, that's right. one of the ones I played. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and what's the one from Les Miserables? I think it's called, yeah, I Dreamed a Dream. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know why, just those two from my <laughs> high school music GCSE days have been able to play those over and over. 
<laughs> I can't play anything else. It's just those two. When I sit down, it's just um, yeah. It's so funny that you can play that Richard Marx song as well, because that's exactly when I was sort of <laughs> tinkering away and um, you know trying to think of things to to play and uh, yeah, just without thinking, I went yeah. into that do 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 do. It's like so cheesy. Yeah. yeah, I went from that to um to Axel F. I think do 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 Yeah, yeah. You need a synth sound for that. Yeah, yeah, it's got a little, it's got a few little sounds on it. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so I've been, you know, been mixing it up a bit. So yeah, so that's been good. Um, so apart from that, um, not much except I had a really good day out yesterday um, at a Doc Two location. Uh, we both like the story of Black Orchid, don't we? We do. We like the one. Yeah. yeah, I went to the, um, you know, like the train platform where the TARDIS lands. Oh, it's, at the uh, beginning. Yeah. At the beginning, yeah. It's actually because it's actually a museum. It's not a, not a. A, you know a platform that's in use mm-hmm. um so it's the buckinghamshire uh, railway center uh, museum or whatever it's called uh yeah so i went there yesterday um bit of an impromptu visit uh, it's a little bit of a drive out uh, but it was a scorching not sunny day and i went with my dad and my sister and um, while they were entertaining my sister's little boy i uh, went off and did a bit of filming so i've sort of partly filmed a location video um but I need to visit some of the other locations from the story because I was thinking I can't just have the train station in it. Um, but it was a great day, and I just love being on that platform. I oh, think because cool. I like that story. Yeah. Um, and I went on one of they've got like you can go on a, a normal train, but you can also go on one of those miniature little trains. Oh right, yeah. Now bearing yeah. in mind that I'm quite a big guy, I was like, is it? Can I actually get on this? Because it was so <laughs> small. It's like a little miniature train that you you all go on. But that was really cool. So I've I've done a bit of video on that and. Um, yeah, no idea when it'll be out, but I think it'll be quite a fun one when I finally do get it finished. That's a cool looking, that's a really nice looking platform as well, isn't it? It's, it um, is. And it's a great little scene as well when the TARDIS materialises on there at the beginning of Black Orchid. That's right, yeah, really yeah. Good. And obviously yeah. they come out of the other side of the platform and I filmed a bit there. Um, mm-hmm. There's a house up the road. If you remember in that story, they the police take the police box away, don't they? That's right. And the doctor has yep. to go to an old police station mm-hmm. to find it. Well, that's obviously a, a, a house now. It's not not whatever it was back then. Um, and that's just up the road. I didn't get to film there. I've got to go back at some point. I don't know where. This is why I don't know when the video will be out. Because right. I've got to go back and do a bit of filming up there as well. So, But yeah, it's a cracking day out. I do. There's something about trains, isn't there? <laughs> I just I just love like going on a train. Is there, Sheldon? Train. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I guess there is something about trains. They move you along. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I just <laughs> liked being around all the old-fashioned steam trains. It was good. It was quite cool. Yeah. So apart from that, not much. I listened to the other story in the old Crumbling Doctors classic New Monsters, oh, yeah. whatever it's called, um, the <laughs> Jadoon one with Colin. I have to say, I, I, must, I reckon I wasn't in the mood because I, I was bored. I, I didn't. It didn't grab me. In fact, if you ask me what it was about, I have absolutely no idea. The Jadoon story. Yeah, yep. I think I need to listen again. I just clearly wasn't in the mood for it right, because right. I totally zoned out and I didn't have a clue what was going on. And it finished, and I was kind of like, <laughs> so yeah, I need to go back and listen to that because I, I know a lot of people like that one. Hmm. You liked it, didn't you? I very much liked it. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Perhaps I was just in a in a, the wrong mood. You're in one of your moods. I was in one of my moods, yeah. Yep. just couldn't get into it for some reason. And I normally love Colin on mm. audio as well. Yeah. I still need to right, listen though. to the last two. I still haven't got round to. been busy watching it, not listening. Yeah, same here. I've only, yeah. the, I've only listened to the, the first two, so I've still got two to go. So mm. I'm the same as you, yeah. Mm. yeah. 
So that's me, of, uh, mate. That's... Talking of locations, did you see? I think it's been out for a couple of weeks or even three weeks now. The um, the special edition Doctor Who mag about all the locations. Yeah, I did. did yeah, you pick that up? yeah. Yes, I did. Any yeah, good? yes, it is good. Yeah, um, I must admit, it's a really strange thing to be annoyed about, <laughs> but obviously being a big fan of all the locations and loving anything to do with dot two locations. When I saw that was coming out, it was like, you know, tailor made for me. I was like, wow, brilliant. What a great special. Can't wait to get that. And then I opened it up and the first picture is of, um, David Tennant and what's that girl's name from the bus story in the desert. that I hate. Oh, lady. Uh, I can't think of her What's name. her face? Yes. Michelle Ryan. Michelle Ryan, yeah. yeah. What's the story called? Dead Planet or something? Planet of the Dead. Planet of the Dead. So I opened I it up so anyway. and that's, that's yeah. the first picture in there. And I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> um, so I quickly flicked past that. And um, yeah, there's loads of good stuff in there, actually. And um, a lot of locations I still need to visit. Yeah. yeah. Lady so. Christina D'Souza. That's the one. Or just Lady Christina. That was the one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Didn't they go out to, is it Dubai or Abu Dhabi or something to do that? Somewhere like that, yeah. yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, Lanzarote's one I'd like to go to. That cafe on the side of the cliff, the uh, Planet of Fire. Oh, that, that'd yeah. be quite yeah. a good location. Um, is there any one. any location you want to go to? Is there anywhere you've ever, when you've been watching a story, you thought, I know we've talked about going to Remembrance of the Daleks, that location, but anywhere else when you've been watching it, thought, yeah, I'd like to mind going there? Um, yes. Um, one that you've already famously done in one of your Geek's Handbag videos. I'd love to go where... To um, where they filmed the demons. Oh yes, Oldbourne. Yeah, yeah, great place. Yeah, that looks really good. We still need to go. Um, I've been there. I've walked through there. Now, this was quite strange. Um, the Remembrance of the Daleks. Um, Tadori. Um, I actually have been through that area a couple of times in London. Mm. This was before I even started the podcast, and I didn't even obviously clock that that was the, you know, because it's they've still got that thing haven't they with like the iron bridges going across yeah and all right. that stuff yeah. around yeah so i'd like to go back there take some pics there yeah amazingly um, that hasn't changed much because a lot of london i mean london just changes all the time hmm. um funny enough i was watching a location video of this uh, review that they were doing today talons and they've got a now and then right um yeah feature out on there and yeah a lot of them they were saying no this no longer exists and this is totally changed and you wouldn't recognize half the locations from from talons but Thankfully, remembrance. That's it's pretty much as it was. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to go back there. We'll do that. That's quite an easy one to do. Just hop it's in. It's an easy one into London. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, I can't really think of anything else top of my head. Um, I really liked going to um, Caerphilly Castle. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. You know the um, when they were filming like the back end of series nine um, when they did Hellbent and uh, and that stuff. So that was I really liked that. That was really cool. Yeah, so I'm glad I got to do that. Other than that, I don't really know. I, I assume that it's like anything, you know, when you watch certain things, certain episodes, you're like, oh, yeah, I'd love to go there. Um, there's mm. quite a few, but is, is there any that's on your bucket list that you haven't done yet that you'd really like to do? Um, I'd quite like to go to the Stones of Blood location, oh, which yeah. is yeah. Um, sort of out near Oxfordshire. So it's not, yeah, not a million miles from here. Um, I Weirdly enough, this is a strange one, but because I love City of Death, and I have been to Paris quite a few times, I love I love France, but I'd like to go, you know, there's those famous doors that Tom Baker stood out mm-hmm. in front of in all the publicity shots and that. I've always wanted to find those doors. 
Um, so I just <laughs> don't know. So at some point, when I next go to France, I want to try and find those. It's like the entrance to Scaroff's mansion, isn't That's it? Right. It's like those yep. two wooden brown doors. Yep. So it's a strange one, but I'd quite like to just get a photo outside the front of those doors. So that's that's kind of on my bucket list, yeah. But, um, cool. but yeah, no, pretty much, I think, that, yeah, the what's the the Android Invasion location is one of my favourites, the little tiny village with a fleur-de-lis pub and all that. Uh, that's, yes. that's one I've been yep. to a few times, and I never get bored of that because, you know, you've got the monument where tom gets tied up on it and it's yeah it's a great place and there's a pub and it's always good to have a location with a pub in Indeed. it isn't it so yep. yeah so yeah good times yeah good stuff yeah we'll have to do a few more locations get get some in next year i think yes we need to fill up the uh the youtube channel yes we do is... we were talking about this because the big blue box podcast has a youtube channel it does um with no videos on it and uh, we need to do something about that it's blank yes yeah, so we have it all set up <laughs> Big, and we've already got a thousand subscribers. Big and, Blue Box TV, yeah, as it's known as on YouTube. But it's just, uh, it's sitting there like a naughty child in the corner at the moment. Yeah, you know, so it's been banished into the corner. It's not, um, nothing's going on. But it'll come alive one day. It we'll will get, come alive. Yeah, yes, yeah, like the there. phoenix yeah. from the ashes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. So, other than you brushing shoulders with celebs. The mm. Doctor Who world and stuff. Not much else for you. Oh no, um, no, no, that's it. That, yeah. The only other things that I've done, I've watched quite a bit of Doctor Who over the past week and a bit. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I'm quite annoyed at myself that I didn't listen to the rest of the. I think what did, what is it you called it? Old Doctors, old Doctors, <laughs> new monsters. Yeah. Yeah, ancient um, Doctors and yeah. slightly new monsters. Slightly yeah. new, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've watched. Yeah. So there was this thing on. Um, a channel that used to be called Watch, which is now just called W. Oh, yeah, I remember Watch. Yeah. They always show loads of Doctor Who all the time. And they had these, like, specials that were on a year or so ago. I think they were just called The Doctors Revisited or something, where they just basically, you know, they just throw in a bunch of people who worked on the show and interview them for, like, 20 seconds. And it, yeah. was, it was the David Tennant one. Oh, and right. uh, while they were doing that, they were showing like various clips and stuff from all of his episodes. And that really sort of got me into that tenant mood. So started watching from series two onwards. So I think I got up to Girl in the Fireplace. Oh, yeah. I think. Um, which is really good. But School Reunion, I love that story. Mm. That's a really good story. So I'm really glad that I got through to I got through that. And I think the one after is not great, is it? I think well, I was it's gonna the say, Cyberman. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, you know the uh, I think it's Age of Steel, That's it, something yeah. like that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop at Girl in the Fireplace while it's you know while it's running well. Mm. Um, so I might come back and stick those. And I'm not sure. I watched the TV movie Mr. McGann, get myself psyched up for the Blu-ray release. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was after I watched Talons, I was in like fourth Doctor mode as well. So I was like, right, let's keep this train going. So uh, on went the horror of Fang Rock. Oh, brilliant! That's the next story, isn't it? It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. So it's been a bit of a Doctor Who fest, like TV-wise. Mm. But um, yes, I do really need to finish the big finish. It's like, you know, the OCD's just sitting there pulsing away. Yeah. Listen to me, listen to me. You're halfway through. <laughs> You're only halfway. How can you sleep? So yes, we'll do that. Other than that, we're all good, aren't we? Yeah, I was going to say, Series 2 is a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? There's quite a few stories from that that I absolutely love and mm. quite a few that I've not watched in ages. And Age of Steel 
is one of those I have not watched in a long, long time. That that Cyberman two-parter. Mm. Uh, we haven't reviewed it either, have we? Not yet. Nope. No, no, maybe, yeah, we'll have to do that at some point. But. It's definitely mm. a, yeah, it's definitely um, a rewatch mm. situation. You, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll discuss lots about that when we... Yeah, when we come around to it. Come around to it, yeah, but hmm, yeah. interesting one. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So I reckon we should land it and do the news. Okay, let's get into the news. either going to sound incredibly stupid here or this is i'm going to pull this off because you know what we're like with names yes pronounce your name so the only bit of news we have this week is a certain um french detective uh, is going to be joining series 10 are you are you building up to pronouncing his surname yes now, right. I'm either going to sound incredibly com- like British and common. Don't say Satchit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to take a stab at this one. Mm-hmm. David Suchet. Yeah. Ah, cool, cool. Right. Um, David Suchet <laughs> is going to appear uh, as a character called the Landlord Ooh. in series ten, which is currently being filmed over in Cardiff. Yes. Now, I for one am really happy about this. Because I remember back in the day sitting down in my front room cross-legged with a comic book or something with my mum watching Pyro Mm. quite a lot. And I remember thinking, this guy was really good. Um, He's got, uh, he does look a bit, he has aged a lot because he was quite, he wasn't like really old in Pyro, was he? But, um, you know, he was knocking on a bit. He must have been in his 40s back then. Yes, or yeah. something. Well, so it's been going for years. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he has aged a lot. He does look very, very old. And he's lost his little moustache. You know, it always reminds me of one of those ones you get in a Christmas yeah. cracker that you have to <laughs> pin. To, you know, he's, he's lost that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Poirot uh, will be with us in series 10. So this is good. I, I'm really intrigued by the, the character as well, the landlord. Mm. It reminds me of um, uh, that Matt Smith episode with... Um, uh, was it called the caretake? No. Uh, no, you're on about the one with um. <laughs> what's his name? James, James Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, the lodger. The lodger. Sorry, that's right. Yeah, the caretaker. <laughs> the lodger. Yes. Um, it's got that vibe to it. I don't know why, but yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and it's always good. It's always good in who to have like uh, you know a, a very established actor, mm. someone who's you know earned their wings, if you like. In TV, so they know the drill. There's none of this you know, messing around. Down to business. I, yeah, I have to say, I'm very pleased with mm. this bit of news because um, I I do think David Suchet is a, is a is a great actor actually. Um, and so I yeah, finally a bit of Series Ten news that sort of made me prick my ears up a little bit. I was like, oh, David Suchet, he's he's quite a quality actor. To, to get so let's hope he gets a decent role because mm. uh, he's one of those people that can be absolutely fantastic given the right script yes um so yeah i'm very excited about this i love the look i love this publicity still that they've given us of him outside this weathered 
sort of door looks like an entrance to sort of an old mansion or something yeah um so i am intrigued by him i know the radio times did a breakdown of everything in the picture and uh, <laughs> i love how they read into all the all this stuff they were oh. like you know the door knockers on a slight angle what does that mean and his shoes are weathered so he's obviously been walking far and all that i was like is this for real but yeah, but yeah. yeah i do like the i do like the publicity still so let's let's hope he gets a good good part because i think he could be really good in it indeed yeah um yeah obviously very famous for playing um pyro mm. um an agatha christie story yes yep um and the doctor knows all about agatha christie he does, yeah. He's no stranger to that. What's that? What's that episode called? Unicorn and the Wasp. That's the one. That's one I yeah. I love that one now. Didn't yeah. like it when it went out. Yeah, a lot absolutely of people love it now. Yeah, a lot of people like that. They can't stand mm. it, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, I like it. That's that's news. There's not much else going on, is there? I think the but, only other thing is a couple of little tweets going on. No, there's not much going on. There's been a few um, location pics. I'm sure you've seen these of Peter and Pearl outside a. Um, a house that they've used before. Somebody said they've been filming at the Blink House. Um, That's correct. But I don't know if that means yeah. it's just a reuse of the location or whether mm. there's any further connection. Um, but yeah, there's been a few film pics. The, the best, the reason I mention this is because the best thing about um, about these tweets has been the Doctor Peter Capaldi meeting fans and getting inside. Um, these kids had sort of brought their own homemade TARDIS. Um, and they got Peter and Pill to sign it. And uh, Peter, being the brilliant ambassador for the show that he is, got inside the TARDIS <laughs> and was having pics. And, yeah, I just thought that was fantastic. So yeah, that's cool, yeah. That was a nice, nice little moment, yeah. Yeah, there was a guy as well who tweeted out. Um, somebody else retweeted it. We don't follow him. But um, he was saying that they were filming a, a location on his street. And it was literally just uh, a few minutes down the road from where he lived. So he's as a bit of an opportunist, he sort of, great sort of an armful of stuff and sort of legged it down the road and when mm. they finished filming he basically just dropped you know everything that he could pick up so had like you know some dvds and post you know some stuff and capaldi was there he just signed a lot yeah you know, he took a few selfies with him and had a chat so that's really nice he's, he's a cool guy peter isn't he so he looks like the guy that um would just make time for for fans you know oh definitely yeah permitting. yeah yeah, no, he's really good. I just thought that was so great. I mean, imagine owning that TARDIS when those kids grow up and they'll be like, you know, they've got to keep that in a safe place, haven't they? Yeah. You know, really nice. Yeah, good stuff. Indeed. Uh, we've got some merch to talk there. Yeah, through. let those Daleks in, those yes. pesky old Daleks. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish. But it's pretty. It's very pretty. Got some news on the TV movie Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, so mm. we spoke about this, didn't we? Last episode, one before, where um, it had been announced that the movie is indeed coming to high definition, a.k.a. Yeah. Blu-ray, mm. a.k.a. whatever you want. Yeah? So you, you're... you're fears have been confirmed haven't they they have indeed and i'm <laughs> my, my worst not my that worst pre-order has been cancelled from the aolot household it's... no it hasn't no it's still on but oh, okay um, the reason why it's still on is thus um although the movie is not going to have a restoration or a cleanup or anything like that it's just an upscale I, uh, i'm not thrilled about that i'll be honest no, with you um because no. i i honestly feel that it deserves that because if you look at stuff that was filmed around the time 
Now you're a, you're a Trekkie, so you're you should hopefully confirm this for me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Star Trek: The Next Generation that had a wonderful cleanup and restoration, and when they released like the the full Blu-ray box set, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. See, I I only love I only like the I am a Trekkie, but I only like the original series. Oh, okay, so, right. But but I think you're absolutely right, and I have to say they did an absolutely amazing job restoring the original series, and they I believe they did do a proper um, HD restoration on, and it probably was the Next Generation or one of them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. Because, yeah, yeah, and that was filmed around a similar time. Um, so, you know. Maybe you know we don't know the ins and outs of these things, but it's possibly a budget thing. They're not enough money to do it, but it would have so benefited from you know having a proper, you know, a rescan. So that this was they've still got all the original film that this was done on. So it would have been entirely possible, you know, to do a new scan, a clean up. It would have looked fantastic, you know, on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. However, would, you yeah. know, it's an upscale, so it's going to have. It will look better than the DVD. It will, you know, because it's got you know, slightly higher bit rate and the bumped up resolution and stuff. It will look better. Um, and the sound, it will probably sound a bit better as well. Yeah, true. Which is good. However, I've, I've kept the pre-order in because it sounds like, well, it doesn't sound like there is some really good extra features with this one that we haven't seen on the original DVD release. Oh, right. Because there's two, um, there's two discs, you know, that we know. Um, disc one has obviously got the movie, but then it's also got... Um, uh, uh, commentary from the director Jeffrey Sachs uh, it's got another commentary with Paul McGann and Sylvester McCoy yeah which is overseen by Nick Briggs which I think is on the DVD isn't it it's on the DVD yeah, yeah. it's good though that one yeah there's a documentary on there The Seven Year Hitch um, there's another documentary called The Doctor's Strange Love um, we also get The Night of the Doctor oh that's great little little mini-sode yeah which wasn't on the original DVD obviously no, nope. because that came after. Um, then there's photo galleries. We've got um, you can listen to the soundtrack on its Which own, is, as we both said. Big thumbs fantastic. up, fantastic! Yeah, that. it's beautiful. Yeah, um, and it's got some other production stuff. But then they've thrown in a, a, thrown in an extra disc of extras as well. So this has got the early audition tape that Paul McGann did. Well, that'd be good. Should be good. Um, it's got press kits. It's got a load of behind the scenes um, additional footage around Vancouver in Canada. Um, there's got uh, the producer and writer Philip Seagull. He gives us a tour of the Paul McGann TARDIS on the console. Um, it's got like a deleted scenes sort of section, alternate takes, they call it. Um, so stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, and then it's got some extra stuff on here. So it's got Who Peter. Uh, so this is the second part of the documentary exploring the relationship between the world of Doctor Who and Blue Peter. Mm. Uh, the Wilderness Years. Um, it's got um, a, a rundown of all of the Eighth Doctor comic strips that we've seen over the years. Um, it's got something called Tomorrow's Times, which is a look back at the um, uh, all the coverage of the TV movie through all of the publications, mm. and that's um, presented by Nick Courtney. Yeah, which is good. I think that was on the original DVD. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, and then we've got a load of visual effects testing and all that stuff mm. on there as well. So for me. The, the pre-order, the Blu-ray version of this is worth it for the, the extras alone. To be fair, they've pretty much tried to put on... I mean, that is quite a good chunk of extras, it is. to be fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, 
as Doctor Who fans are going to snap this up. But if you look at it in terms of sales, it's not going to be a massive seller in the larger scheme of things. So they can't spend too much money on it. Um, but it is a shame. I mean, I would have loved to have seen it get, like you said, the proper HD treatment. Because I think with Upscale, you'll know more about this than me. You do get like a bit of jarring, don't you, between scenes or something. There's, it's, it's not always... It improves the picture quality, but it can also... Mm, yeah it's not it's not perfect is it yeah well there's i think the the two main things that go into it is and i've just realized one of them actually which is probably why they didn't do it but the first one is because you up the resolution that can highlight any sort of niggles in the picture that were there in like standard the gradiness and yeah. stuff like that yeah so it can enhance any sort of deformities in the picture but the second thing which i didn't realize first of all is that because this was filmed in standard definition all of the special effects would be in SD. Right. So what they would have to do, I don't know if anyone, you know, listeners or if you, mate, I don't actually I don't watch it, but when I picked up the X-Files Blu-ray box set, mm. what they did with that is they went back and redid all of the special effects in HD. Oh, wow. So as, along with cleaning up the film, they actually went back afterwards, you know, deleted the, the special effects and put new ones in in HD. Mm. which is time-consuming and expensive. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's, you know, like you, you're absolutely right, mate. They can't afford to throw loads of money at it because it's not going to set the world on fire in terms of disc sales. But, yes, I'm still but, just longing for that glorious mm. proper HD picture of the movie because it would look so good. I know. I but know. I think they, they're doing a good, they've done a good job of what they've, what they've got. And, um, and the yeah. good thing is the... Re- the uh, retail price at the minute i think it was 19.99 as 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 is expected it, it has dropped um, so i think the pre-order price is about 13.99 at the minute or somewhere around there it's dropped quite a lot since they first put it up so and it if you shop dropped, around, it? Yeah, yeah i think it was 13.50 the last time i looked on amazon and zavi were like 14.99 or whatever so you shop around i think you'll actually get it you can't go wrong for that price i don't think so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it to be honest with you i just i just love sitting down and watching the tv movie i'll, I'll be honest with you so yeah there, I'm looking there forward is to a it. danger with this mm-hmm. an additional danger what's that that is are we going to have to double dip on this one because i've got a slight feel i've just got a feeling i don't know why but i've got a feeling that at some point um there's going to be a steelbook version out as well yeah, see, I've got that feeling, but I don't mind because I'm quite happily, as I said, for like sake of £13, I'll quite happily buy the steelbook as well. Yep. Um, I would love to see a steelbook of this. Uh, the artwork's quite nice, actually, the new artwork. It's it's really perhaps, nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I guess it's not, not quite up there with the um, spearhead. I mean, that is beautiful, the, mm. the artwork on spearhead Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, it's nice enough. It would certainly, if they brought out a steelbook of this... I'd I'd snap it up. Yeah. It reminds me of a big finish cover. It yes, it does me as well a little bit. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the TV movie out on Blu-ray on the hasn't slipped yet. It's still on the nineteenth of September. Excellent for thirteen pound fifty. Thirteen fifty in a minute. Any any advances on thirteen <laughs> fifty from Amazon? That is. I don't know about anywhere yeah. else, but yeah. Yeah. 
Good stuff. All right. Um, for those of you who like your Doctor Who books, uh, there's a new one coming out from our friends at Candy Jar. Uh, it's called Connecting Who? Artificial Beings. <laughs> Love that, artificial beings. Um, and this is a bit different because there's loads of Doctor Who books out there. So it's, it's sometimes hard to come up with an original concept, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I'll give you the little blurb. It says, the Cybermen, the Weeping Angels, the Daleks, the artificial beings of Doctor Who are some of the most iconic in science fiction. But what inspired them? Connecting Who traces their origins back to the myths, folk tales, and real events of history. Uh, and it says, um, not to mention the wealth of other sci-fi writing from which Doctor Who has drawn. So this is by a chap called, now we know all about pronunciation earlier, Peter okay. Graham? Graham? Peter Graham. Peter Graham. Yeah. And he's been an avid va- fan of Doctor Who since it was very first broadcast, so he knows his stuff. And uh, yeah, basically he's given you a guide that explores you know, what lies behind, uh, you know, the creatures in the longest running science fiction series of all time. So it's a bit different, this one. I think it'll be be one for those that sort of want to know, you know, a bit more about what inspired the creatures that ended up on screen, I guess. Yes, it looks pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, What's the cover? I'm just zooming in. It looks like buttons or something. It's What's... that game, Connect 4. Oh, yeah, right, right. With the red and yellow discs that you have to make four in a row. Yeah, I, I get you. You read me? Mm. Um, so this is out mm. in... Well, it's up for pre-order. I had a look earlier. There's no official date, There's but no it's date up for yet. pre-order. Good thing is, if you if you do pre-order it from Candy Jar Books Direct, you get a free copy of the Lethbridge-Stewart book, Beast of Fan Rock, with it. So that's a good deal. And that's a great book as well. So Indeed. Yeah, that's yeah. worth doing. Yeah. Uh, it's eight ninety nine plus postage, so probably around a tenner. Yeah. Um, but it looks pretty good if you're interested in that stuff, like you say. Might be worth a read. Just something a bit different, yeah. Indeedy. Uh, let's stick with Candy Jar. Um, uh, those guys that bring us the Lethbridge Stewart books. Um, there's, um, you, you guys might remember, but a few months back, um, they released um, uh, a short story called The Havoc Files. Mm, yeah, it's like a collection of all the little short stories brought together, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, so they've been, I'll tell you what, they're busy guys over at there. They Candy are. Jar. Yeah, they are whacking them out now, yeah. Really busy. Um, so not only do they, you know, have we got... How many books in the Lethbridge-Stewart range? Is it five or six? No, it's more than that. Four, five, six. There's seven currently, seven. I believe, yeah. yeah. So they've also brought out... They did a free short story, which was um, before The Havoc Files. Then they brought out The Havoc Files, and now this is the second one, The Havoc Files 2. Mm. Um, like you say, the short collect, a, short, a collection of the short stories... Um, that sort of uh, intertwine with the, the books themselves. Yeah. Um, and this is um, it's up very for, limited. It's really limited, yeah. Um, they need to do um, uh, a short run of these, don't they? Because I think yeah. you missed out on one, didn't you? You're the first well, I missed one. that, yeah, because I've, I've got all the Leopard Stewart novels so far, um, but I, I missed out on the Havoc Files, the first volume, because it was so limited. And, um, yeah, somehow it just passed me by, so I was a bit gutted because I would love to have got it. But it was very limited. This one is also very, very limited. So, yeah, if you want it, snap it up now. Yeah, so if you just head over to, um, to Candy Jar Book, so it's candy-jar.co.uk, and just to research for it, you'll see it on there. Um, but if you if you if you're a completist or you just want to you know read a bit more into um, the Lethbridge Stewart stuff, um, then it, they're well worth checking out because they're nice short little reads as well. You can get through it relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, so yes, Candy Jar, killing Candy it jar. as usual. 
And did you say you say to be saying about a code? Do we have a code? Uh, yes, uh, yes. I thought we was going to come on to that one. So we've got right. a discount code um, given us uh, given to us by our good friend Mr. Andy, Mr. Mr. Andy Frankham Allen has said uh, that our listeners can get thirty percent off until the end of September for any of the mm. Leftbridge Stewart books. So all we need to do is jump over to the Candy Jar website. So the address once more is www.candy-jar.co.uk. Just um, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of little pics of the books splattered all over the homepage, or if you just do a search for Lethbridge Stewart, they'll come up. Um, all you need to do when you get to the basket screen, the checkout screen, is just enter the code EPICLS30, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. So EPICLS30. We'll get you 30% off. And that runs Good. until the end of September. Good times. Um, and if you haven't got any of these books yet, now would be a good time to jump in. Yeah. So use that code, get the first couple if you've not started yet, and you'll be on your way. Definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff indeed. I think that's going to do for news and merch, buddy. Okay. So, Mr. Adam. <laughs> oh, no, don't. <laughs> Mr. Adam, <laughs> what are we going to review this week? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not going down that road. Um, we are reviewing the talons of Wang Chaihang. Doctor, I offer you a proposition. Not now, Greel, we're busy. I will spare your lives, you and your friends, if you leave now. Well, that's very magnanimous of you, Magnus. Then get up and leave. What? With your trigger-happy little friend out there, no thanks. I am offering you your lives, you fools! We'd be cut down before we reach the door. I think so, too. He has no truth in him. Let's see. Ah, uh, <coughs> we're staying put, Magnus. And you'll die here, all of you? Well, you might die first, Magnus. You don't sound too well. And your food supply's halfway to Blackheath by now. Sin! Crack that bench away! If I only had a gun, Doctor! Or a catapult! I was a dead man with a catapult when I was a nipper! What is that weapon? It's a laser beam. It's a death ray! Doctor, they're diminishing our cover! There is little time left to me. <laughs> He's a cheeky chappy, that Mr. Sin, isn't He's he? He's a little bugger, isn't he? I love yeah. that sat that laser sound effect. That's classic. The talons of Wang Chiang. Mm. This was back in April, sorry, February to April in 1977. Oh, good Lord. Written by Robert Holmes, directed by David Maloney, and overseen by Mr. Hinchcliffe. Yes. Was it his last one, did I read? Um, Before yeah. he handed over to Graham Williams. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yep. He was succeeded by Graham Williams. He was, yes. Well, all started to go wrong. Anyway, yes, I know, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, uh, incidentally, um, John Nathan Turner actually worked on this. 
He did. It was his first one, wasn't it? Of doing, don't know what he was doing. He's in the background somewhere. Yeah, he was doing something, some production thing. Wheedling his way in, yeah. Indeed. So, Mr. Baker, Mr. Tom Baker, and uh, Louise Jameson. Yes, lovely Louise. Yep. Um, six part of this one, all just over 20 minutes long, 24 minutes, whatever. And um, like you, I thought it was a four-parter. Yeah, I, I, I always In my head, yeah. I always think it's a four-parter, this one. So I was quite surprised to put it on. And I mean, I have watched it quite a few times as well. You'd think I'd know by now. But we both said, didn't we, last week, is it a four or six? And we were like, eh, it's a four. Yeah, it's a, yeah we always, yeah, well. Yeah. So, story is thus, uh, the Doctor and Leela um, arrive in um, Victorian times, is it? Victorian London? London, isn't it? London. It is Victorian times, isn't it? I would have said so, I'm yeah. Pretty sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, with the doctor dressed in his deerstalker hat, looking very Sherlock Holmesy. Very much, yeah. And I th- believe this is the only story he's ever worn this outfit. Yes, and he, he hasn't got his trademark scarf on, has he? And I think it's the only story he, he doesn't wear. He doesn't wear that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just got a sort of cape, throw coat thing. To match he's got his a hat. lot. He's got a lot going on. Actually, he must have been boiling, baked, Bacon. baked. Baker, Baker. Hot. yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so yeah, uh, the two of them land in Victorian London and immediately make a trip to the theatre where there's a sort of magic, uh, magic um, illusionist sort of show going on. Um, uh, the Lee, uh, Lee, Lee Sen Chang, Lee Sen Chang. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's a silent H, isn't it? Lee Sen Hang, Lee Sen Chang is putting on a magician show and wowing the audiences of Victorian London um, however um, gentleman comes barging in says that I think his wife or his sister went has gone missing um, which sparks the doctor's sort of detective mind immediately um, mm. and wants to know what's going on ultimately it's down to a guy called Magnus Greel mm, great name he's like this phantom of the opera uh, sort of character that lives beneath the theatre yeah. Um, and uh, his loyal servant, um, Chang, is bringing him these young uh, people who he's sort of sucking the life force out of them so he can maintain himself while he's trying to hunt down this wardrobe, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> uh, a Chinese-looking wardrobe, um, which is actually some kind of um, uh, sort of experimental uh, sort of teleportation device, I, I believe. Um that's going to sort of, you know, restore him and, you know, take him away from, you know, this very boring, grey-looking London that he, he hates. Yeah. It's like a time capsule, isn't it? Yeah, is that right? Is it a time yeah. thing? Yeah. Time, time cabinets, yeah. He wants time to get cabinet. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yes, yeah, so while this is going on, um, so all the police are investigating these disappearances and murders by, which comes across to me, it looks like a bit of a triad sort of gang. Um, yeah. You know, um, and we also get introduced to two fabulous characters, uh, uh, Jago and Lightfoot. Yeah, uh, great. Yes. So, um, yeah, so one of them, uh, Jago, he runs the theatre, doesn't he? He's the general manager of the theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, who's very, he's very, his character's very much a, um, a real, actually the pair of them, they're real sort of solid British old timers. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, Professor Lightfoot, he's uh, well, he's a professor, isn't he? He works in the morgue, didn't he? He's like a investigator for the police, does like post mortems and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and they sort of pair up at the end, um, 
which we'll come on to later, aren't we? Because that leads very nicely into some big finish stuff. Yeah. Um, but they sort of pair up, they team up at the, towards the end to help the Doctor and Leela. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, it's basically about um, uh, Magnus Greel, um, which will come on to his connection, why they call him Wang Chiang a bit later. Um, mm. Ordering around uh, Lee Sin Chang and his thugs. Um, and we also get some giant rats as well. Oh, yeah, don't forget the giant rats. The giant yeah. rats, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so story-wise, it's pretty good, actually. Mm. It's a pretty good story. Um, it's got some uh, some social shortcomings, I would say. Some social uh, looking at it now. Yeah, yeah shortcomings, yeah. Um, which I'm sure we'll mention in a little while. Um, but off the bat, Talons. What do you reckon? Talons. I love it. I you love it? Great. Yep. Yeah, I do. There's no being on the fence with this one. <laughs> You've got no splinters <laughs> in your bum this week. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I do. I think it's a really cracking um, right. story, really cracking production, actually. Um, there's very little I can find to fault with it, apart from, like you said, a few um, things that perhaps now are not seen as particularly PC. But, yeah, yeah I think it's a really good story, this one. I do enjoy it. Um, I, I do wonder, because... It's often ranked as a classic, and I think sometimes people will say, oh, very overrated. Right. Um, I don't think so. I just think it's just a really good story. I, I really enjoy it. What about you? Yes, I love this one. Oh, good. Yeah. I thought you might have been in that overrated camp for some reason. No, no, I love it. This was one of the first... There, there's about four or five um, Tom Baker stories that I've, I watched when I first started getting into Classic Who. Yeah. And this was, I think... Out of those four, yeah, this is one of the first ones that I watched. I think the very first one I watched of his was Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, right, yeah. Then Pyramids of Mars, and then this one, I believe. Um, and I must have seen this one about oh, five or six. I think when I watched it this week, this is like the sixth time I've watched this one. Mm. And I never get bored of this one. Um, I just find little bits in there. Every time I watch it, I find little bits that I didn't realize before. And there's like little things that I, you know, it's, it's almost like you're watching it fresh for the first time every time you watch it. I know some people are like, nah, mm. you know, it's a bit overrated and stuff like you said. But no, I really, I really like it. I think it's written really well. It's not crammed, you know, you know, too much with too much dialogue. It's not um, overly complicated, I would say. Um, but it's not a simple story either. You can't really, you know, switch off and you know, have Twitter out while you're watching. You do have to watch it, but it's not overly sort of mind-bending. It has got a couple of little sort of down, not downfalls, it's got some shortcomings, like, you know, the PC side of things. Um, um, The the guy who plays um, Greel, Michael Spice, he can be a little bit like, you know, when they said that he would, his sort of layer, his underground layer would be based in a theatre, I think he took that a bit too strongly. Um, cause he's very, very theatrical at some, yeah, you know, it's Phantom of the Opera, very OTT. Yeah. Mm. Um, and some of the, uh, again, it's, I think it's just that early Doctor Who, that seventies period where any sort of fight scene just looks very labored. A bit um, staged. And a, yeah. yeah. So other than that, it really is a cracking story and, um, it, it, it's got a really good pace to it as well. Yeah, I was going to say that because considering it's six episodes, um, 
and the fact that we both thought it was four it doesn't there's not sort of there's no episode where i sit there like you said and, and sort of think um oh just check the old twitter not much going on it's it's pretty well paced i think it does keep me entertained really well across those six episodes uh probably because of the cast are so good in it i mean there's such a great cast in this series um yep. in this story yep. yeah um yeah so i thought yeah because i was sort of especially when you get into episode three and four it does start to move along a lot quicker at that point mm, which is normally when it starts to sort of lag in, in in some six parts you get to sort of episode three or four and that's where it normally starts to get a bit labored but yeah this one it tends to pick up actually exactly yeah that's what's yeah. good about this one when we spoke mm. about classic who before especially the six parters and um, probably um nine times out of ten we will say that when you get to episode three and four, potentially five before you get the, you know, the big build up at the end, some classic who does drag. Oh yeah. You do yeah. get that period where you're like, come on, come on. You know, and they do a lot of A to B, A to B, A to B and, and stuff like that. This one's the opposite. I find, I find that it builds quite nicely. Episode one mm. is sort of the quietest, I would say. Out of yeah, it probably is actually. Yeah. And then it sort of ramps up and then it just keeps going. Yeah, which is good. So, um, pacing wise, really, really, for classic who I mean, pacing wise mm. is really good. Um, and direction. Did you say you like this one? Sort of how it's how it looks. I and think direction? yeah. David David Maloney was the director. I think he does a very good job on this actually. Because um, watching it again yesterday and the day before, like uh, he's he's done some good. You know, I mean, obviously he's got some great locations going on there. It feels like a very gritty uh, Victorian London for a start. Um, it's very dark, you know, it's very dark and foggy and, mm. you know, we're on real locations as well, which always helps. Um, but yeah, just shots of, you know, like when they're, they're having the fight sequence in the, in the uh, alleyway there and you get some shots of the sort of ninja guys jumping across. Oh yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? This is from a really strange angle. It's almost like, I don't know, I think he sort of tried to make it as, as interesting as he can in terms of the way it's shot. Uh, I think he does a really good job. Yeah, yeah, I like the direction. Yes, David Maloney. Yeah, yeah, that's a great job. Yeah, and it it's also got like a kind of a Jack the Ripper vibe to like the outside shots at night because it's mm. if I remember correctly, pretty much all of this is shot at night. A lot of it is. Yeah, I can a only lot. Rem- there's only a few scenes like where the Doctor and um, Lightfoot are in the little boat. That's it. You know, it's during the daytime, and yeah, I think the I think there's a couple of other scenes, but the majority of it at night. And when you're out in the London streets and so on, it's got that real sort of um, almost creepy vibe to London because you mm. have like these big spotlights over in the distance, and there's like fog. They're using like smoke machine, you know, to emulate fog, and it's misty and stuff. Um, and it's got that coldness as well, so you can tell it was filmed like autumn winter time because when they're outside you can see their breath and stuff like that yeah um and it's just what you know it just sets the the tone of the story just really nicely um because it although you know in terms of you know these little sort of methods that go into you know how a certain piece of television looks and how it feels you know you might be forgiven sometimes for thinking that they're just sort of cheap tricks you know having a smoke machine to make fog and but it actually you know it it just looks really good 
Um, oh, so it, it does. Yeah, I mean, like I'm thinking of scenes like when Leela's jumping through the window and stuff like that. It's very good for the time it was yeah, filmed. Yeah. For you know, for, for Doctor Who in terms of the production. Um, yeah, the locations look amazing, like the whopping stairs, the old. I love that oh, bit yeah, with the yeah. old crone oh, when, yeah. they're, when they're digging the body out of the the river and they're on the whopping steps and yeah, look, look. yeah. Yeah, I ain't never seen nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she just before that take, <laughs> the old crone. I don't, well, I don't know what her name was. Who, who was the the actress? I don't know. But apparently, she said to uh, Dave Malone, the director, just before they they did that take, she said, "Oh, just hold these for a minute, would you?" And handed him this bag, and he was like, "What is it?" She's like, "It's my teeth." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> He's like, "Oh, lovely." Nice. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like good to see her getting fully into the role there but um yeah no it production wise it's brilliant locations look absolutely spot on for the the time they're meant to be um and it's it's quite unusual to have doctor who so dark and mysterious like that i think mm. a lot of the time it's very bright and quite quite often gets criticized being overlit so it's great to see so much effort being put into the the actual production of it um yeah yes good stuff um mm-hmm. right story Story-wise, um, we've obviously got two, ele- for me anyway, there are two elements that run through the story. Mm-hmm. You have, and even though the, the, the baddies are connected, they, there seems to be two separate, not stories, but separate elements running through. You have um, Chang, who's like the magician guy, mm-hmm. and he's able to hypnotize people. You know, the <laughs> the scene where like the lights are flashing in his eyes oh yeah like yeah <laughs> so you've got him and his sort of gang of ninjas if you're like they sort of you know they're using this magic show as like a cover you know for what's really going on in the theater aren't they yeah um so you've got that whole thing because they he's like the face of the organization if you like isn't he so although he reports into uh magnus greel although he reports into him he's like his he sees him as his master. Uh, Chang is very much like the face of, you know, the baddies. Yeah. To, to everyone much. in the episode. And then you've got that whole thing going on. But then you've also got um, Wang Chiang himself, or as Magnus Greel. Yeah. Um, so he's got this other thing going on where he's very, he's got this real selfish streak, hasn't he? He's like, he's had enough. You know, he's very short-tempered with Chang. He's just, you know, he wants stuff done, keeps getting let down, keeps getting, you know. So he's frustrated. He wants out. You know, he wants this time cabinet rocking and rolling. Um, but he sort of, he's, they very much played on that Phantom of the Opera kind of story, didn't they? Because he's very much hidden in the shadows. He wears the mask. Yeah, it's um, kind of a sort of Sherlock Holmes meets Phantom of the Opera, isn't it? There's it a is, lot of influence yeah. from both, yeah. Yeah, and especially the scenes where there's that chase between the Doctor and, and Greel where mm. they're sort of up in the rafters and they're swinging on ropes. And, and, yeah. and especially the bit at the beginning when we very first see Greel as well, he's got that sort of Phantom of the Opera hat on and he's got the black... Oh, you forgot about that. You know, yeah. and he's got the black cape that's sort of bellowing behind him. Yeah. You know, it's real sort of visual um, cues there. The Phantom of the Opera. Um, so you've got these two storylines, really, and the Doctor and Leela are sort of flitting between the two. So the Doctor's very much aware. He's, he really knows the history of um, Wang Chiang, you know, and mm. what he's done over the years. Because I think he's sort of, you know, he's sort of a genocidal, sort of crazy god-type character, isn't he, Wang Chiang? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, 
So the doctor's fully aware of what he's done and what he's capable of. And he's aware of um, the time cabinet and what he needs to do and stuff like that. But then you've also got sort of um, Lee Sin Chang and his guys who are causing trouble as well. So they kind of flip between the two. You know, they stop him for a bit, but then Chang turns up, so they deal with him. And then he's off doing something, but then Greel turns back up and they have to deal with him. Um, so there's sort of two elements, really. And I think for me, that's what keeps the story alive. That's what keeps mm. the pace nice, because if it was just one of them, if it was just Magnus, Magnus Greel doing his thing and nothing else, it would have been a potentially boring story. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I think you know? certainly it helps because being a six part, having those two two quite sort of strong characters going on. I mean, Magnus Grill's quite shouty, isn't he? <laughs> so he's been to that um he's been to that David Collins school of of acting, I think. They graduated um, together, obviously. Yeah, because yeah. he does shout a lot. Um but it is much yeah, it's quite interesting, I think, having the uh Lee Sin Chang uh character mm. as as the sort of um the smoke screen if you like. That's yeah. It. Like, yeah. Mm. So that's good. And then we also have like a very subtle um, sort of set up story for Jago and Lightfoot. Yeah. Which is really nice because we get, obviously we see Jago very early on um, and then we get to see Professor Lightfoot when the doctor sort of demands a post-mortem on the Chinese guy that commit, you know, committed suicide. Um, and then those two kind of, it's not until the end though that they, they pair up, is it? It's not until I think it's episode five where Jago turns up at his house, mistakes him for the butler. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then from that point on, they're like, you know, they sort of take matters into their own hands almost. You know, they don't mm. wait around for the doctor to come back. They don't do any of that. They just, you know, hat and coat on, out they go to sort it out. I always think they're in it together much more, don't you? I always I forget do. that it's not till quite late in the story that they actually do sort of pair up yeah. Mm. yeah and they work so well together as well they're brilliant yeah. yeah they're just these two old you know english gentlemen who are very no nonsense yeah very proper you know there's no um you know i'm not saying they're sort of airs and graces but they are sort of you know they're sort of middle class um, yeah you know in society at that point so they're very um you know they're not like sort of underdogs they're not like street rats they're you know, trying to do the greater good. They're all the established gentlemen within society. Mm. But they sort of get their hands dirty, which I like. You know, they yeah. sort of roll their sleeves up, ready for a scrap. Um, Pro- especially Professor Lightfoot, because he's perhaps the slightly more um, tailored of the two gentlemen, isn't he? He's, you know, he's quite a sort of professional guy. Yes. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he's, but he, you know, he's very well-mannered and a very intelligent person. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I suppose... Uh, Jay goes um, the same, but he's a bit, little bit more r- r- streetwise, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, I think Lightfoot. He's come from a military background, hasn't he? Because he, mm. he said his dad was a a, a general in the army, or whatever. Because he grew up in China in Peking, I think it was. Um, so he's had like a a very proper upbringing, very to do yeah. military background. Whereas Jago, you can tell that he's sort of a bit of a lad, a bit of a lad when he was younger, but it's sort of built up to that status himself you know he's had yeah. to work hard to get to where he is to you know he's earned his money himself he's not sort of been born into money or anything like that um so he's sort of living the dream really isn't he he's got money coming in through the theater uh, he's got plenty of booze massive yeah. cigars you know he's loving life um but they seem to work really well together they just seem that's, to click that's why they're such a good parent yeah, yeah. they are such a good parent so you yeah. got that stuff going on as well um Rightio. So before we get on to like the main 
sort of part of the story, which is the Wang Chiang and you know desperate to jump in the in the war- the, the fancy wardrobe <clears throat> um, with his bar of soap key. Yeah, the, we we have got this. <laughs> we have got we you know this is the elephant in the room, isn't it? You know, with the, this cultural thing that they had going on back mm. in you know it's, it, it's kind of indicative of what it was like back then in the sort of mid to late 70s where unfortunately you know it's just you know how the, like tv production and stuff saw you know other races because the the guy that plays uh lee sin chang wasn't oriental was he no not no. at all He's got prosthetics yeah. so in, on his face to make him look more oriental, yeah. Yeah, so in order of him, yeah, to make him look um, Chinese, like you say, they've got these, mm. like, you know, prosthetics over his eyes and stuff. But it's not only that, it's the way he's been directed to play the character as well. You know, it, it seems like it's sort of done a disservice, really, you know, to Chinese people at the time. Because the way that they sort of got him to play that character, especially the way he talks and his dialogue... Yeah, Chinese people didn't talk like that. You know, it's like, mm. um, you know, thank you for quiet. Thank you very much for quiet. Yeah. You know, they just didn't, mm. come on, they just didn't talk like that. No, yeah. I suppose not. And no, no. I mean, my partner's Chinese and, um, you know, we've watched this together. And, uh, it, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not been remarked on, but uh, you're right. I mean, you know, my partner doesn't talk like that. Um, <laughs> and probably not a lot of Chinese people do, but it is very much of that sort of, um, what's the word? The stereotype yes. of, yeah. of, of the time that, that people did. Um, the funny thing is I don't sort of particularly have a problem with a, somebody who's not Chinese playing a Chinese part because I kind of feel that's what television and film is all about. It's about becoming another character. Um, but I can see why it would be seen as, as um, you know, not right. Because uh, yeah. it would have, yeah. But I, I, I have to say, I think John Bennett, despite, you know, what we've just said, I, I do think he's very good in the part, you know, despite the way he talks and stuff. Um, <laughs> I actually find him quite menacing. He's a bit sort of Ming the Merciless, actually. You know, especially bit, with the hypnotizing eyes. And all that. So I don't really, although I can see why people would see it's a bit wrong, I don't really have a problem with his portrayal in it. I, I think he's quite quite menacing, quite good. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think what it is, I think, because probably the people who are making this at the time, making this program, I think that was just the norm as they were, you know, from years before. So if anybody's ever seen... um the Audrey Hepburn movie, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, there's a very famous uh, Chinese or Oriental character played by a Western person in that. Mm. And I think that's what kicked off like the whole, um, I th- forget the guy's name now, I think it's Yanoshi, Mr. Yuniyoshi or something like that. And he, in that movie, like the, the way that they sort of portray Chinese people, he's like really over the top. Mm. you know he's they've got the same sort of thing going on with the makeup and he wears these big round you know old school glasses and stuff um and i think that's just something they hadn't grown out of at the time you know so instead of hiring a chinese actor to play it you know a bit more authentically Mm. you know they just thought you know we'll get an established actor 
bung some makeup on him or get him to talk like you know, a bit of an idiot. But I think there's no, there's a difference though, isn't there? Because there's no, it's sometimes when you get a, a sort of a sketch from a comedy back then, you could say that was quite offensive if they were doing it in that way. Yeah. But there is no malice intended. Absolutely in, in not. This. That's, no. that's the thing. And that's no. the difference between, that's why I say I don't think it is racist because there is, is no, we're not trying to offend anybody in this performance. You know what I mean? It's, it's an actor dressing up, playing a part. It's not somebody trying to make somebody feel bad or, you know. So I I just don't, yeah, I just don't really have a problem with it I, in, the, in, the, yeah. in that sense. I think it's of the time. If they did it now, it'd be totally different. A lot of the language that's used in this would be totally different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are certain things that sort of, I can't think, I didn't write them down, but there are, there are bits of the script where, they use what what I would consider racist language, very mild racist language, which would not be used now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is quite shocking when you hear it, I think. But uh, but yeah, I don't think that I don't think they do anything particularly wrong in, in this story, as far as that goes. Yeah, I think that the, the all the times that I've watched it, I've never once um, thought to myself, "Wow, this is you know really you know quite bad, you know quite racist and quite bad." The, um, the only bit that sticks to my head is something where he says something about being yellow, which I thought, oh, that, that that was the only bit that sort of really made me cringe. Um, but then again, I suppose they might have used that sort of term back in 20s Victorian London. So, you know. Yeah. But but that there, there were one or two bits like that that sort of slightly made me cringe, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it, like you say, there was no malice no. intended. It's not like they're trying to play a spoof of you know oriental people or anything like that it was a genuine you know um uh, michael not michael spice uh john bennett who played lee sin chang they mm. didn't hire him so he could be like a comedy version of oriental people he's actually you know 100 percent trying to play uh, a chinese character yeah you know yeah. um authentically and you know originally so um i did want to pick up it though because it is one of the things that a lot of people talk about when they mm. talk about this story you know you know uh, inevitably you know the conversation always comes around to you know what do you think to the racism in this story and you know mm. all that stuff um so i think if you're bo- if you're that bothered by it then you know there's a lot worse things that you could be watching around this time yeah um so i think yeah i i, I think i yeah i agree with you there's there's no sort of bad intent there's no malice there it's just for its time you know back in the 70s that's just the way the world was Mm. um so yeah elephant in the room is now uh the kitten in the room (laughs) if you want if you want to put it that way it was sort of downgraded um but yeah i mean i don't know about you but i've i've certainly read and you know overheard conversations about this yeah absolutely i mean as i said it's it's not it's not excusing it by saying oh well it's of the time it's just it very much is and it's not something they would would probably do now but uh yeah i I don't really have a problem as i said i think when you are making a production i mean that it is all about becoming a different character so i never quite understand this thing of of getting you know hit up about somebody playing a character that is not of their origin i mean yeah. like you know for example okay the 10th the doctor um david Tennant, he's scottish but he wasn't he didn't use his scottish accent you know so he's playing a part 
and I think it's the same thing with this. You know, yes, it would have been better if they'd have got an Oriental uh, person to play that part, but I think uh, John Bennett does a decent job, you know, doing it. So yeah, yeah. I don't have with it. I remember, yeah, I remember when the whole David Tennant thing kicked off about his accent, mm. which I thought was just ridiculous because he was asked about it in so many interviews. So yeah. many people asked him, you know, why, why didn't he use your native Scottish accent? And his answer was always exactly the same. And he was like, because that's not how it was written. You know, yeah. that, that character was written specifically to look like, the, you know, to have this certain look and to, you know, be that character. It wasn't just a bit of a fluke or anything where they're just going through, you know, day one of film and it's like, oh, David, can you just try something here? ditch the Scottish accent, try this one. Mm-hmm. You know, it was written very specifically for him to have that accent, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, you're right. It's the same with this. You know, this character was written in this way. So, you know, regardless of who played that character, it's just like any other form of acting. You're, you know, well, you're, it's, I think that's what it's, it's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? When you go, when you go to the theatre, you are seeing people become another character. So I don't see why you need to sort of bring too much of you know racial into it because you, you whatever the part you are trying to be someone else and that's what being an actor is isn't it is to see how well you can perform yeah a character so that's that's how i look at it absolutely bob yeah 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 right before we tumble any further down that rabbit hole um let's talk about some other story stuff so um yes let's talk well we've spoken a little bit about jago and life but let's talk about um Magnus Greel himself then. Yeah. Because he's like he's like the the top guy, isn't he? On the side of the baddies. Yeah. He's like the top guy. Um and I actually really the one of the things that I really liked in this story was his mask was on all the time except for one scene. Mm. And what they typically do in um in TV programs and stuff is that they leave the reveal until a little while into the story. Then you see the gruesome face, and then the mask stays off because you've you already seen it. Yeah, and you literally see it for seconds, don't you? It's yeah. on screen for probably two seconds. It's a great mask as well. It's really horrific, isn't it? It's like a face that's melted on one side. Yeah, it look, um, it, yeah. it looks really good. I mean, I, I actually freeze framed it because I want to get a good look at it. Um, and it's a brilliant mask. Hmm. Um, I am surprised we don't see it more actually. Because it probably cost a lot to make <laughs> yeah. back then. And we're talking about the makeup, the prosthetics and stuff. Like one side of his face looks like it's been made of wax. And it's been, you know, he stood too close to the fire. <laughs> yeah. So it's all sort of melted away in his eyes, you know, mm. mangled and stuff. It looks really good. But the thing that's great, though, is after that scene, it's quite creepy, actually, isn't it? Because he's hiding behind the curtains. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's about to sort of knock out, you know, Leela. Um with whatever chemicals on his hanky at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so as she turns around, we see his face, and that's the cliffhanger, isn't it? It's the end of episode four. It's a great cliffhanger, four, I think, I think yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's it. Every other time we see that character for the rest of the story, he's got that black mask back on. Mm. Which is bizarrely just as creepy, actually. Uh, it is. I think, cause yeah. I suppose, like you just said, because you know what's supposed to be under there, it makes it even more, because you keep thinking, oh, we're going to see that face again. Uh, which we don't, but yeah. And His whole look is quite creepy, I think. Yeah, he's well, most of the time he's just knocking about in a dressing gown, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. But when he does get 
sort of suited him. <laughs> I'm boot. looking at a picture of him now thinking, yeah, actually, it's a, it's a lovely dressing gown. Yeah, yeah. But when he does get suited and booted, you know, when he's got that hat on and the cloak and, you know, he's ready to, he's ready to <laughs> dish out. I can't stop thinking of that now, yeah. <laughs> um, he does look good, but the rest of the time he's in like a... Uh, I don't know if they went with the Oriental style with this as well. It looks kind of like mm. a, um, what do they call them? Um, they sort of silk Chinese dressing gowns, what they called? Uh, Kim- I don't know. Uh, commode? No. Anyway, he kind of, he kind of, he's got that Oriental sort of patterning over it and stuff like that. It looks quite nice. Who, um, who's the, what's the actor's name? Oh, Michael Spice. Michael right. Spice. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, um, I'm just going to ask you something because I, I need to confirm this. See, the, the many times I've watched this, I always um, struggle to get my head around it. So um, Magnus Greel um, is the character, um, like the physical character yeah. um, in the story. But he's like the embodiment of Wang Chiang, right? I think he's sort of masquerading. Isn't he just he's sort of masquerading under that name? So he's pretending he's like this ancient god it's a god character isn't it wang chiang called wang chiang but yeah. he's actually not he's just magnus greel um so i think that's the way i understand it he's sort of trying to hide behind you know this this pseudonym really which gotcha, i don't think he gotcha. actually is yeah i don't think he is actually is wang chiang i think he's just using that to try and big himself up <laughs> if you like when actually he's magnus yes. greel which is uh still quite a well-known name because the doctor knows him doesn't he he's sort of like knows all about him or, re- or recognises that he's not who he says he is. Yeah, yeah, because he kind of leads on to that, doesn't he? Because first mm. of all, he finds out about um, this sort of Chinese gang because he recognises the tattoo, like the scorpion tattoo. Oh, that's right, yeah. So he sort of figures that bit out first. What they call the um, the tongue of the black scorpion. That's it. Which, mm. to my, I'm sure they sort of base that on like a triad thing. I would, yeah. Um, so. And then later on, you know, what, because there's a, he sort of clicks, doesn't he? I think it's when he goes into Lightfoot's house and sees the wardrobe or the cabinet, sorry, whichever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and then he also, what's the little sort of cream looking? Looks like a bar of soap. It does, yes, thank you. Mm. Yeah, it does look like a bar of soap. Yeah, it's a key, isn't it? It opens up this cabinet. But it always magic smells of lavender. Nice, la- <laughs> a nice lavender bit bar of soap that opens up the magic wardrobe. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think when he when he sort of clicks about those two things, then he sort of realizes, yes, I recognize the technology. It's you know, um, it's uh, it's all going to go wrong because you've tried to do it once already. You've maxed out the power. Mm. You know, if you try, you know, so he sort of, and and that's when, um, uh that's when he sort of clicks and sort of goes back and has a little sort of mini history lesson in his head. And that's when yeah. he sort of tells Leela and others about this Wang Chiang character and all that stuff. Um, how, how did, um, how did the cabinet time cabinet become to be in uh, Lightfoot's possession? That's because I've watched this a few times as well. I've never quite got my head around that. So how did uh, Magnus Greel and the time cabinet get separated? Like, I've never quite understood how it ended up in Lightfoot's, um, house yeah well i'm not sure how they got separated but lightfoot mm. does say to the doctor that it was his dad's okay, yeah that's right handed yeah, down or something yeah because yeah. he said that his dad was based in peking and mm. you know as he grew up and his father passed away he inherited that brought it back there you go very lucky to have not lost the key not in all that time key. yes yeah. the, the far of soap yeah <laughs> um 
Yeah, and then I think um, Greel has got the other one. Is that right? He's got a few bits. It's funny when he opens it up and he's got a few little electronic <laughs> bits and bobs that he's shoved in there and it's all... Yeah, he's yeah. quite pleased with himself, isn't he? Yeah. Um, what do you actually think of his performance, though? Because um, I like the sort of look of uh, Greel, but I did... He's a bit... Watching it again... Um, yesterday, he is a bit shouty. So I sometimes wanted him to just tone his performance down a little bit. It's almost as if he thinks, "I'm the baddie. I've got to shout every single line," you know. And it's like, well, yeah, some of that rage is good, but let's see a bit more. Yeah, I think he could have been a bit sort of more tempered in his performance, if you like. At times, I mean, I'll, there is a time for shouting and going mad, like the <laughs> like the climax of the episode. Sin, you know, that's all great. Um, but I think sometimes, like when he's going mad at poor old Ch- um, Chang, he's really shouting and throwing his stuff all over the floor and stuff. And I don't know. I think he perhaps needed to be a little bit calmer in certain scenes. Uh, would have would have been more menacing, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think. He shouts an awful lot. Yeah. Which is unnecessary. It's like, whoa, whoa. I'm like two feet away, man. Yeah, just bring it down bring a Bring it bit. down a click, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's the one that, like I said at the very beginning, this that's the one thing that um, I, I wish they would have, you know, the director should have said, you know, you don't need to yell. You know, I know that you're a, you know, you're a highly strung character and you're, you know, yeah. desperate to, you know, get this stuff sorted out. But, you know, because I think there's a time where being sort of quieter can be equally as creepy. That's what I mean. Yeah, because he's got the right look for it. He could have been yeah. menacing without the shouting. I just imagine him, uh, John Bennett, taking um, uh, the director aside. Uh, sorry, what's the director? Uh, Dave Maloney. David, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but. Have you ever met the actor David Collins? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a situation with him. <laughs> you know, and we don't want to go down that road again. So just, you know, yeah. wind it wind yeah. it in a bit, you know. Um, so I, that's the one thing for me that does, yeah, I, it does, It almost makes me laugh in a way because it's like, yes, yeah, you know, you buffoon, you know, it's, but, it's a, you know, he's yelling at him like full pelt, pretty much everything. I mean, to be fair, you know, Chang, he does, you know, let him down a lot. Oh, he tries hard though, but he, you know, yeah. He sends him he, off to get stuff done and inevitably he comes back. He's like, so where is it? <laughs> oh, I ain't got it. What? <laughs> you know, and any erupts and stuff Test like that. Test tube smashed on the floor. It's all kicking off. Yeah. yeah, poor old Chang. Oh, Chang, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the thing I do like about him is he's very, um, he's a real physical actor in yeah. this story. You know, he's not just one of these Bond villains that sits in a chair the whole time. Or anything like that. He's very, he's all over the place. You know, he's got quite an active role. So that was good. Yeah. Um, Let's backtrack a bit, though, to some other cast members before we move up the tree. Um, What did we think to, um, so some of the supporting, like little tiny parts? I've just got to say, I can't, I'm looking at Wiki. I can't believe that the ghoul was actually played by a person. Am I thinking of the right thing? Am I thinking of that electronic? Yep ghosts that they see on screen for about three seconds the they one. needed a person for that yeah they just person in a Patsy white mask smart. wow yeah. she was tremendous yeah <laughs> yeah um. dudley simpson as the conductor um making a little cameo that's quite nice isn't it seeing dudley dudley smith D- dudley simpson oh sorry dudley simpson Composite. who's that because i love I, well dudley simpson does all the instrumental music 
um, for a lot of Tom Baker's era. Oh, of course, yeah, he did loads. Yeah, didn't yeah he? he's actually yeah. the conductor. He does a little cameo. He's actually, he's the actual conductor in that scene. Ah, Regia. It's yeah. the real Dudley Simpson, and I love Dougie's music. I have to say, I I really, really, really like his stuff um, throughout the Tom Baker era. It's mm. got a real style of its own. Yeah, it's great, um, and he so, did loads. Yeah. He did like thirty oh, did odd episodes. Yeah. yeah, he did loads. Yeah. Um, what about what about the young chap that bursts in at the beginning, demanding where? Um, I think what was it? His uh, his sister or his wife? Oh yeah, well the one who ends up in the river. Yeah, dead. I yeah. never seen nothing like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was proper old, like Cockney, old school London, wasn't he? Yeah, he's proper London. Eh? I, I know what's going what, on. I, I know I'm, your kind. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I know your kind. I bet there's a lot of strange going on in there. I'll be banned. <laughs> he's got yeah. that real old school um uh, well you know it's victorian time isn't it victorian sort of cockney yeah uh london uh, talk which is really good um then we had the um uh like the the girls that were playing like the cleaners and stuff like that around the theater yeah um not much in a way of speaking parts but they look thoroughly scared the whole time that they, they were do playing yeah they parts. look properly terrified yeah. all that shouting um, who's the guy who's like the um the, the other guy that gets knocked off him because he's really good actually he's part of the theater lot he's the caretaker he's like the back he? oh yeah. he's the caretaker i can say like the the stagehand yeah caretaker who's that guy because he's quite good um and i sort of recognize him from other things as well but yeah I think, um, uh, what's his name i think his name was casey not sure chris, but chris i like Gannon, him i think it was casey yeah yeah because he meets a a gruesome end as well, doesn't he? Or does does he die of shock or something? I can't remember now. God, I only watched this yesterday and I've already forgotten. But he's good. I like that guy. Gives a nice little performance as he well. He is good, yeah. He um I think he dies of fright, doesn't he? Yeah, it's fright, isn't it? He gets scared to death after seeing Well no, he ends up in the in the stage show, you know, after he puts all the swords into the oh. thing. That's it. And they, they open the it. cabinet and he falls out. Yeah, because the doctor was in it originally and just walks out the back, doesn't he? <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he ends up in there somehow. Yeah, that's uh, it. I yeah. do like that scene actually with the when the doctor's really goading Chang. Chang's performing his act, and the doctor's just in the um, in the stool box at the side of the theatre, isn't he? He's like, I'm going to shoot. I'm not going to do the accent because I'll be accused of things. But he's like, I'm going to shoot that bullet <laughs> through the card. And the doctor holds it really close to his face. He's really sort of goading him on. Yeah. And then he obviously gets invited to go on stage and he just tries to wreck every trick yep. he does. Typical doctor. Um, but it's a good scene. I like that. Yeah. Um, let's move on, actually. Let's talk about um, uh, Lee Sen Chang, John Bennett. John Bennett, yeah. yeah. Well, I already said it. I think he's. I think he gives a good performance, actually. Quite. I, yeah, I actually think he played that part pretty well. Because he doesn't go shouty. He actually does tone it down. I think, which he, makes him more menacing. He does, yeah. And like, there's a couple of really good scenes with him. I liked where the first one was where he's not reacting to the doctor's sort of accusations at the very beginning, where he turns up at the police station because one oh, of yeah. the yeah. Chinese sort of gang members is there being questioned or trying to be questioned um, by some remarkable Chinese from the doctor. Well, yeah, it's only the first word, because I asked my partner, I said, what's he saying? Um, it's only the first, he, gets, he says hello, I think in Chinese, and the rest of it is just um, nonsense. Gobbledygook, yeah. <laughs> Gobbledygook. Some remark, yeah, so, um, so that bit where the doctor, you know, he gives him the little, the little pill, doesn't he, from his ring. 
You know, he opens yeah, his ring venom. up and he's got yeah the scorpion venom. Yeah, um, and he's just so cool and collective. You know, the doctors sort of asking these questions. You know, and he's just like, nah, see you later. You know, so yeah. he's just really cool and collective. And then there's the other scene where, um, or a couple of scenes where he's talking to Jago in the theatre. Um, and you can tell that, you know, some other people are like accusing him of stuff and, you know, and he's just so calm, you know, mm-hmm. and collective. Even when Jago's trying to find out if the little doll's actually real and, you know, that stuff, he just doesn't break character at all. The only time you see him sort of break that calm and collective thing is where he's being yelled at by Greel. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. then he goes into sort of, you know, servant mode and he's like, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, mm. all that stuff. So... I think he played that pretty well, actually. Yeah, no, I think yeah. he's fine. Yeah, he's quite good. Um, so we've spoken about Jager and Lightfoot. What about Sin, Mr. Sin? Mr. Sin, what a brilliant creation. Yeah. Um, and what is great about it is that the doll looks just like the person. So it's really good how they switch from mm-hmm. a live person in a suit to to a, a doll. Um, the only bit that slightly lets it down is when the Doctor's fighting with him. <laughs> Uh, at the end, and it clearly switches from a. Do you know what's strange about that? Though is that they switch from the to the doll when he's swinging it around his head, which I totally understand why they do that. But then when the doctor smashes the bar of soap key, yeah. clearly it's the real person in the suit because he really. I mean, why he had to smash it so close to his head, I don't know. But he really flinches when the doctor smashes it with his foot. Oh, yeah, and I was thinking, why didn't they just put the doll down there? They didn't need to have him. In the suit at the end. That's really strange uh, yeah. decision because he's clearly like, you know, he getting like, bits of, uh, what would it have been? Sugar glass, I suppose. Sugar glass in his face. Whatever it's made yeah. of. Yeah, smashed all over him. But he didn't, they didn't need to have him in the suit at that point. So I find that really odd. But um, but it is good. I, I think he's a great, I think he's really creepy. Um, and it's bizarre when he starts snorting like a pig um, in episode five or whatever. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, well, he's, he's, He's formed from his 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 brain energy or his mind is a pig, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's why he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it is is but yeah. I I just love Mister Sin. I think he's really scary. The fact that you've got this strange little Oriental doll walking around the streets of foggy London with a knife, um, yeah. it is it's brilliant. I he's think a he's weird a great little, creation. Yeah, yeah it's a creepy yeah. little thing. Yeah, creepy um, little. What was his? What was he? Uh, Peking homunculus. Peking homunculus. Is, that is, what, is what he's known as, other than Mr. Sin. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, Deep yeah. Roy is the actor, yeah. Deep Roy, I'll tell you what. Pretty, that guy's been in so many films. Pretty sure he pops up in Blake 7 as well, my favourite. I'm, I'm assuming Blake. it's this actor. Oh, uh, is it him? I tell no, you what, the picture I'm looking at is quite old. Um, he's yeah, but he's in, been in loads. Yeah. He has been in Blake Seven. He's been in four episodes of Blake Seven. Four? All yep. oh, right. I was. Uh, I had one specific one in mind that I was almost certain he was in. God, what's the other ones then? Don't know. Anyway, yeah. Right. So he's mainly known as the Oompa Loompa from the Johnny Depp remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, John. Um, but just to throw a few films that he's been in. Uh, this will. Is this unbelievable? So, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. The Dark Crystal, Return of the Jedi, Neverending Story, um, uh, Return to Oz, uh, Hook, um, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, The Jungle Book, um, Matilda, Mafia, 
um, Planet of the Apes, The Haunted Mansion, Big Fish, Van Helsing, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Star Trek, The Unborn, um, the latest Star Trek movies. He's been in, he's been in a couple Ooh. of Doctor Who, The X Files, um, Desperate. He's been in like so many films. It's he's unbelievable. Done the never-ending story. Oh, that's yeah. a classic. Yeah, I've I mean, only picked out a few there. I think he's been in like over sixty films or something. And he's, uh, it sounds awful, but I thought he was dead because he's not in any of the extras. So I kept waiting for him to pop up and I thought, oh, he's probably, you know, passed away. But um, but yeah, no, he's still alive. So I, I want to meet him now. Now I know he's he's out there and he's and he's been in Doctor and Blake 7. So he's, he's now gone on to my list of must meet people because yeah, um, he will forever. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. um, well, he's yeah, he will forever be known to me as as well as Mr. Sin. He will be known as the Clute from the episode gambit blake seven blake. I, I love that episode you've got to watch that he's like this evil little <laughs> guy who evaporates people when they don't win a game of, of electronic chess it's hilarious um yeah so yeah deep roy very good as very mr good. sin um right so we've touched on chang jago lightfoot right so um leela leela i the more i watch Leela, the more I like her. I think she's a really, really good companion. Um, and I wish Tom had, had got a bit more on board with her at the time because he really didn't want her there and he didn't like the character. So yeah. I, I love Leela and I think they're a great pairing. But um, but you do feel sometimes that the Doctor's a bit frosty towards her. I think he can be a bit demeaning to her. Um, but mm. But yeah, for me, great great character really well played by Louise Jameson I think she plays the the naiveness along with being you know like this savage action character I think she just is, is great actually can't fault her at all yeah um yeah I, I pretty much agree with that I think she's um she's not one of the strongest companions in classic who see to me she is the more I watch it the more I really really like her no I think she gets bit overlooked actually yeah she's okay she's okay um i just find her to be a bit um uh her lines to be quite one-dimensional when she's delivering lines she's she's always she's always talking in the same way she's always throwing lines out in the same way and you know the only time that she looks like she's having any fun is when she's in a sort of fight scene or action scene or something but then i think that's because yeah, because Tom, there was uh, the, the, especially this story was a, was a really strained relationship between her and Tom. Yeah, um, I mean it, he doesn't barely look at her in this story. Like when he's even when he's delivering lines, you know, to her, he's still he stares straight ahead. And I, yeah, I mean they talk about it on the making of they they Tom just didn't want a companion at this point. Um, and when he did have to have a companion, he really didn't like the character of Leela. He thought she was just uh, the character was too violent he didn't want her there so it was a very strange time mm. when they were making this and yeah. i think you can tell a little bit um there is a bit of frostiness between them mm-hmm. on screen i find uh, although i think louise tries really really hard to you know to not show that i think she's very warm towards the doctor um and i find the doctor's quite cold towards her so but i, I think she gives a great performance i like Leela. yeah yeah she's okay in this Mm. She's all right, and um, Tom Baker himself. Then Tom, I find Tom. I think Tom is superb as always, but I find him really quite 
restrained at times in this story. Mm. Um, but I mean that in a good way. He's very, very... He's almost like bubbling under the surface. You know, like sometimes the fourth doctor can be really mouthy, really out there, bounding from wall to wall, crazy. And I find the fourth doctor in this story quite reserved. He's very, very calm. He's very, very angry a lot of the time. But it's all kind of compressed. And I think Tom, I think it's really good actually to see Tom giving that performance. He, he's just holding back slightly uh, more than he does in some stories in this. Um, and I think it's really good. I think Tom's superb in it. Yeah, I agree. Do, with do that. you know what I mean yeah. by that? He's mm-hmm. he's not quite the mad, crazy doctor that we sometimes see from Tom. He's quite sort of calm but angry, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, he's quieter um, in this, um, if you know what I mean. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, we do get a little inkling of that when he's um, when he's being questioned by Greel at Lightfoot's house. Mm. Um, and he's emptying his pockets. He's got the yo-yo and stuff, and then he's eating yeah. a jello baby. You can kind of see that he's going that way in a, a couple of scenes like that. But overall, um, he absolutely is a bit more restrained than what we, we've seen of him at this point as the Doctor. Yeah, I just wish he was nicer to Leela. There are scenes when he's just, oh, I just sort of think, come on, Tom, just warm to her a bit, you know, because... He is so cold towards her, um, but I think they, they sort of mellow out a bit as time goes on. But yeah, in this story in particular, uh, I think, um, I, although I think they're brilliant together in it, I think they work really, really well in it. I just sometimes wish the Doctor was a bit nicer to her <laughs> in this story, yeah. you know? Yeah, like when, when she comes out all dressed up nice and old uh, Lightfoot, cause I think Lightfoot kind of fancies Leela myself he's got a bit of a twinkle in his eye when she's around and there's a great scene isn't there where she's eating all the food and to not embarrass her he he starts eating it in the same way using his hands and stuff like that so there's some great scenes between uh Lightfoot and Leela I think really really I've seen so yeah but yeah Tom absolutely great really really good in this yeah yeah as always as always brilliant yeah that voice and everything yeah it's just superb isn't it um, okay, anything else you want to mention, mate, before we get on to No, no, I don't think so, no. Just looking at my list. Um, no, I mean, no, I think we've pretty much covered it, mate. Right, I think it's me to go first. Okay, you filthy bounder. Sorry, I just saw one of my notes. <laughs> no, yeah, go on. <laughs> filthy bounder, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with an eight. An eight, okay. Uh, I'm going higher. I'm going with a nine, nine out of ten. Okay, um, right. I think the only things that let, let us down for me are possibly the giant rat, um, which they try really hard to to make it work, but it, it does look a bit laughable. Um, I think back then it still looked a bit laughable. So, yeah, for me it's a solid, great production. Um, good story. Yeah, nine out of ten. Cool. Uh, I gave it an eight because um, I thought that Greel was a bit too theatre. Um, a lot of the time when he was on screen. Yeah, he is a bit, yeah. Very yeah. yelly and shouty, where they, if they if he'd have reversed that and gone more sort of darker and sinister and quiet, that would have been just as effective. Uh, the rats, yeah, mm. they really did try to get the sort of perspective right, <laughs> you know, um, you know, the sewer tunnel when they went to the miniature version with the ratting and stuff, but some of the close-ups with the big rat teeth and stuff and, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and just lastly, I felt that um, we potentially could have had a bit more of Jago and Lightfoot. 
Yeah, I I just always think they're in it more than they are. I all, yeah. yeah, I think they I always think that they sort of clash. You know, not clashes in you don't get on, but they, you know they sort of clash together. You know, in sort of episode two or three, but they don't. It's not until near the end. So although that sort of you know one thing we didn't mention, you know that's completely made up. You know these days because big finish of you know really continued those characters on really really yeah. well and i'm really you know if they were the, the, those early box sets if they were a tad cheaper i'd probably pick them up from big finish so, i am going to get them at some point yeah I, i'm just waiting for the right price as well but yeah, yeah. so um but i think they're on series i think series 12 is coming out soon, oh they're it? ever so popular yeah, yeah they, really they obviously good. sell well which is great yeah um one thing that does really 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 help with this story being a six-parter is that all the characters, especially Jago and Lofer, feel fully rounded mm-hmm. yep. straight away. Um, it's really odd. I was thinking earlier, like the, the cast is really great, um, but all the characters feel solid from the get-go, yes. which is quite unusual. There's nobody that, you know, like I warm to Jago and Lofer from the word go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the performances are brilliant. So, yeah, there's a lot of influence in this. I think Sherlock... Phantom of the Opera, Jack the Ripper, it's all in there, but um, it's, it just all comes together for me. So I really, really like this one. Cool. Good stuff. Uh, what did you guys think? Um, let's kick off an audio review. This is Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gertrude and from the Boogaloo Box podcast, and this is my review of the talons of Wang Chiang. Um, this episode is great. I love the whole feel and the Victorian London style of it, and how it kind of feels like Sherlock Holmes. I also like the temporary um, uh, Fourth Doctor costume, although I heard that it was meant to be his costume um, full-time from now on. I'm happy that they didn't go with that because it only suited the story. Uh, I like Leela on this one. She's good. Um, but the, th- the stars of the show are obviously Jago and Lightfoot. Um, I'm only kidding. Or am I? I don't know. But I do love their characters. I think they're great. Um, I do like the villain. I've forgotten his name. And his creepy doll. Oh, God. But um, I just really enjoy the story. I think it's great. And I think it doesn't lag for a, a six-part story. So I'm going to have to give it a nine out of ten. So goodbye, guys, and have fun with the rest of the show. See you guys next week. Nice one, Alex. Cheers, Alex. Good stuff there. Over on Twitter, uh, George Garrity says, uh, if you can overlook the mild of its time racism, this is great. Great characters, great villain, great plots. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. And you managed it in one tweet this week. Yes. Good stuff. Well done. Uh, Connor, um, his Twitter name is Jimmy underscore Goodchild, says, A great story. A little cringeworthy in some areas. Cough, Mr. Sin, cough. Uh, but overall, a good mm-hmm. story. Um, and Pete Murphy, uh, his Twitter name is Popscene69, says, Great, but at times a little uncomfortable to watch. Mm, okay. Mm. Rightio. Um, second audio review. This is Owen Daly. Hi, guys. Hope you're well and enjoying the show this week. Talons Wen Chiang is easily one of the standout pieces of classic Doctor Who. I've seen this twice now, and I've watched it straight through twice, showing how good it is. The pacing is fantastic, the story is fantastic, and overall it's just a fantastic story, that's all I can describe it as. It introduces Jago and Lightfoot, two of the best characters I think the classic series has offered, and even though I've just listened to Mahogany Murderers, I really have to pick up Jago and Lightfoot, series one, if it wasn't so goddamn expensive. (sighs) (laughs) So this concludes the Philip Hinchcliffe era, 
Um, which is a pity because this is probably one of the strongest areas of Doctor Who in my opinion but it finishes it with a bang with a real gothic style episode with some great moments such as that giant rat which is really cringy but really really great Leela gives a, one of her best performances I think and the sinister villain Mr Sin um, I remember seeing him in a Doctor Who encyclopedia thing when I was about 10 when it came out and he scared the crap out of me and seeing him on screen was fantastic um, there has been a Talons Wen Chang sequel I think from the Virgin New Adventures which I would really like to pick up uh, so to conclude Talons of Wenshine one of the best classics 8.5 out of 10 thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show 8.5 excellent good stuff good yeah I've I, I got to agree with him about the big finish isn't it I, I, I keep wanting to pick him up as well and especially after re-watching this but yeah the dosh man the dosh yeah and I was it, yeah I've sort of been hoping that now because especially the early ones you know series one and two and three possibly four because they've been out for quite a while now um, you would hope that they would be a bit cheaper than the new ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just because it's. I mean, it's not too bad. I mean, the, well, actually, as we as I'm, as we're recording right now, um, the um, series one is down to twenty pounds. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah, thirty-five. So that's not too bad. But all the others are all thirty-five quid, and then the newest one, yeah, I think it's probably going to be forty quid. So, You've got to add postage onto that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, if they were just a tad cheaper, you know, I think a lot of people would be picking them up. I think so. I know Big Finish are putting their prices up as well, aren't they, at the minute? So, yes. Mm. Yes. Anyway, over on Facebook, Sammy Satine says, So the Doctor decides to take Leela to the theatre in Victorian London and unfortunately stumbles upon a Chinese magician ventriloquist, Li Sing Chang, who seems to be murdering young women in order to strengthen his master who is desperate for the time cabinet, which Professor Lightfoot thinks is a puzzle box. Uh, Marcus Greel is a criminal from the 51st century disguising himself as a Chinese god. He's also made at least one rat a lot larger than it normally is. Can the Dr. Lego and Jago and Lightfoot save the day? And is Mr. Sin a creepy Chinese puppet or something much more sinister? Uh, excellent story, this one. I absolutely love it. I think Lee Sing Chang is played very well. Whoever played Mr. Sin did an excellent job. The actor who played Marcus Grill did an excellent job. Uh, of course, did all the other cast members, including Louise Jameson as Leela, who is always ready to fight the absolute marvellous Christopher Benjamin and Trevor Baxter is my favourite human pair of Victorian investigators, um, Jager and Lightfoot. And finally, the Doctor played by the marvellous Tom Baker. The only thing missing from this story is the Red Tavern, Jager and Lightfoot's favourite pub. Uh, if anyone is listening to the podcast, um, this podcast likes Jager and Lightfoot in the story, I thoroughly recommend the Big Finish spin-off series, which is up to its 12th series and is excellent. Uh, I give this story a very strong 9 out of 10. Okay. Uh, Greg Toby, short and sweet, one of the greatest stories from the Hinchcliffe era, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. A Good 10, stuff. yep. Matthew Webb says, hi guys. Uh, admittedly, I've never seen this classic before and only picked it up a couple of weeks ago in the first Revisitations box set, so I'm glad I got around to watching it. Uh, the brilliant blend of outside locations and sets really made the story feel that bit more authentic. Tom and Louise are also an absolute treat to watch. Tom in his Sherlock-inspired get-up was great uh, as a great alternative outfit and uh, his portrayal of the Doctor was on point as usual. The supporting cast were also fantastic. Jago and Lightfoot are a brilliant pairing uh, and it was brilliant to see the beginnings or the duo after listening to the odd big finish release. Uh, Michael Spice does a brilliant job uh, of bringing Marcus Greel to life, a truly hor horrifying gothic villain for this story. 
only complaints um, is a use of yellow face and poor imitation of a Chinese accent from John Bennett. I understand this was probably the norm at the time, but upon watching this day and age, it was extremely uncomfortable to watch. Uh, overall, I'd give this a solid 7 out of 10. Brilliant period piece. However, the outdated racial stereotypes do make it a hard uh, to fully enjoy. Mm. There we go. 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, let's do uh, our last audio review. This is Jay Kent. <laughs> Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you're all good. Now, the talons of Wang Chiang. It'd be here I'd do an impression of the villain, but I don't think I'd be able to get away with it without being considerably racist, which this episode doesn't exactly shy away from. But ignoring the offhand comments this story chucks about, a remarkable episode. I don't usually describe stories as scary, but I think this one sort of earns that title. From the blood trickling down Sin's arms, to the fleshy eyes and the porcelain face, even the ghost effect had me all jumpy and creeped out. The tie-ins with aliens and real culture is always a plus point and it's done brilliantly in this. Leela is as badass as ever and her destruction of expectations for women was brilliant. She had some really good scenes from eating at Lightfoot's to jumping out the window, you know, as you do. And of course, a review of this wouldn't be complete without mentioning Jago and Lightfoot. You can see why they've got 11 big finish series. They're brilliant characters who, despite chances being against it, I would love to see return to the actual show. Wang Chiang is known to be one of the best in Who history and you could certainly see why. I'm going to give this one a strong 8.5 out of 10 it's just that casual 1970s BBC racism that knocks it down a few pegs but apart from that I couldn't find much else to sin Mr. Sin I hope you're having a good <laughs> podcast guys and I'll see you next time cheers Jay <laughs> nice one Jay uh, right yo back on Facebook Lewis Palmer says Hinchcliffe, Hinchcliffe's last story and boy does he go out on a high note it's dark scary funny and downright entertaining the Victorian setting is amazing and oozes with atmosphere, and I, of course, can't forget Jago and Lightfoot. Uh, there are problems. Today, it can seem a little bit racially insensitive, and the rat does look bad. Overall, a solid <laughs> 9 out of 10. Uh, he says, a quick side note, in Lego Dimensions, there are Lee Sin Chang posters all over the walls in the Victorian London area of the Doctor Who pack. Oh, that's awesome. An awesome detail that I think of every time. Thank you very much. Uh, Jeff Waddle says, my all-time favourite. Uh, the right mix of horror, fun, thrills, and genuinely cracking story. Mr. Sin is just as terrifying now as he is as he was uh, when seen on transmission. Jager and Lightfoot, two of the best supporting characters. Creepy Victorian setting, Doctor Four and Leela at their best. Absolutely amazing. Excellent. Cheers, Jeff. You only just got your comment in there, by the way. If we hadn't been late recording today, yeah. we might have missed you. I saw I saw it pop up on the notifications. I was like, oh, good job we're recording late today. Yeah. <laughs> Miles McKenzie. I'm very on the fence with this one. It's an enjoyable watch, but not one I'd go back too often. And I don't put this up there with Genesis, Seeds or Terror, etc. Uh, Jago and Lightfoot have very much grown on me with the Big Finish audios. Magnus Grill and Mr. Sin are some nice villains. And loved Four and Leela in this. I don't think the story appeals to me as much as I'd like. So it's a 5 out of 10 for me. Oh, okay. Uh, lastly, Mark Atkinson says, I've never quite liked, uh, loved this story like everyone else seems to. Although it is a quality production with Tom at the height of his powers and Jago and Lightfoot are great, um, it's an 8 out of 10 for me. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you very much, Mark. Cheers, Mark. Did you have anything through on uh, the Geek's Handbag page? Yeah, I had a couple. Um, Charlie Turner says it's the best Tom Baker story he's seen out of the ones he's watched. <laughs> Peter Addison says, such a great story with the regulars on top form. Supporting cast are brilliant too. Good acting and direction. Nine out of ten in brackets, but a bit racist. 
Stan, Ga- Stan Stacy Gallagher says, love the story. Tom is great as ever. And Dean Jones says, a classic that lives up to the hype. The script, direction, performances and production values for 70s TV budget oozes style, atmosphere and character. Tom Baker is excellent as ever as the Doctor. Louise Jameson delivers a great character in Leela, a unique contrast to Sarah Jane Smith. Jago and Lightfoot are absolute highlights. Want to get into the big finish stuff, don't we all, Dean? <laughs> the villains are terrific, even if the stereotypes are a bit odd. One minor nitpick. How does Chang not realise that he grabbed the wrong woman once Leela changes places? Hmm, that's a good point. Uh, a, a Robert Holmes classic, 9 out of 10, Dean gives it. So, yeah, pretty strong scores. One or two in there that... You know, said it's not as good as as they thought, a little bit overrated, but mostly high scores on this one. Mm, Yes. Um, Mm. It might be worth as well checking out the sequel story. Um, I might pick that up at some point The Shadow of Wang Chiang. What's that? It's a sequel. What what, a book? book. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, The Virgin Missing Adventures. Oh, it's one of those, is it? Yeah, The Shadow of Wang Chiang. I've started picking up a few of them lately. I didn't even know they'd done that one. Yeah, um, it features Mr. Sin, this time under the control of Lee Sen Chang's daughter, He Sin Ko. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it might be worth a watch. A, a there watch, is a, a read. A flick through. I was going to say, there is a big Finnish audio called the something Brisbane Butcher, Butcher of Brisbane or something, um, as well, which has a, you know is all about this. Um, I listened to it years ago. I remember really liking it. Um, so that might be worth I might give that another listen as well while I think about yeah. it. Mm. Um, and literally, this is like real-time radio. Um, we've mm-hmm. literally just had a comment land on a Facebook page. So Danny Brown, very fortunate that we're still recording. He says, one of the very few classic Who stories with six parts and doesn't drag too much. Uh, story has got everything, suspense, stunts, and a great villain. Absolute classic in classic Who, 8.5. Excellent. Well, that was lucky, Danny. Thanks for, thanks for coming in there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the Butcher of... Um, uh, what was it? The Butcher of Brisbane. Yeah. I mean, the Doctor does actually say it in this episode. Um, he does, yeah. And I remember liking the audio. I just It was a long time I listened to it. So, yeah, I'm going to have to dig that one out. It's a big finish, obviously, so mm. I'll dig that one out. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you, actually. I just remembered um, about the... Because a lot of this is filmed on real location. Yes. Um, and most of the time that's done on film rather than videotape i always find it a real shame that they didn't film the um the theater scenes on film rather than video because i often think it looks like they're on a set um when it's actually a real location you know like all the scenes when they're in the theater in the backstage and and the hospital and the police station as well yes they're all real locations but they they look like they're sets because they're not filmed on video if you see what i mean so when it changes i always just think that's a real shame because the episode looked a lot uh, can you imagine like the police station for example if that was on film rather than video it wouldn't have that graininess it'd look like the street scenes and like the whopping scenes it would just it would blend so much more Mm i always just think that's a bit of a shame but yeah yeah. just just talk about the overall look of it but still a classic yeah still a classic and there was um, a nice little link between classic and modern doctor who as well because there's a there's a scene where um, uh, Chang is trying to explain to, to Greel that um, they're sort of an interfering character he's obviously referring to the Doctor um, who he says is a time agent and Greel's like no 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 he wouldn't be a time agent because of I don't know whatever reason you know he said mm. um, and 
uh, when we first meet Captain Jack, he says that he's a time agent from the 51st century. Oh, yes, yeah. Which is the same century that Greel is from. Mm. He can't come back there because he's turned to a bag of dust. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's out of there. He's out of it. Mr. Sink could come. Oh, no. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Sink could come back. He could come back. Well, we haven't read the sequel yet. I don't know if he bites the dust as well. But oh, if not, then yeah, we could yeah. Yeah, bring yeah. him back. Yeah. Indeed. I'd like him to come back. Hmm. Right. The Talons of Wang Chiang. That's all that done. Thank you very much for sending in your thoughts and reviews and stuff like that next week. Hmm. What have we got on next week, buddy? Next week, Ninth Doctor. Um, we've not got many Ninth Doctor stories left. In fact, um, they're all two-parters. Mm. Um, so we're going to be doing Aliens, Aliens of London next week. Um, and then we'll do a classic. And then we'll do World War Three the following week. week so after we're sort, next, yeah. Yeah, so we're splitting, splitting to two. But Aliens of London next week. So a bit of um, farting Slovene action. Yes. And that's got a pig in it. It's got a space pig. Space pig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're huge fans of Eccleston. We certainly are. So I'm really looking forward to re-watching this now. Mm-hmm. Ready for next week. So that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Aliens of London. Yes. And I think we will do there, buddy. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending in your thoughts, opinions, reviews, musings, whatever you want to call it, on our review episode this week, or our review story, should I say, which was The Talons of Wang Chiang. It was an eight from me and a nine from Adam. Absolutely. Some solid scores there. If you haven't seen this one, it's definitely worth a watch. One of Tom Baker's, I would say one of his best. I would definitely put it up there, yeah. Yeah. Yost, yost. Uh, next week Aliens of London The Ninth Doctor mm-hmm. uh, so it would be fantastic if you could send in your uh, reviews and thoughts just look out for the Facebook post as usual um, and if you wanted the list we spoke about this uh, a couple of weeks ago um, about lurkers um, lurker yeah you know, like that. so we've the got lurk. some fantastic listeners um, really appreciate you guys listening but you know just as a bit of fun just step out into the unknown if you listen to the show and you haven't jumped on the Facebook page or even recorded an audio clip, just give it a go. And you should, you know, you could hear your voice played out across the airwaves yes. or across the cables, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. Really appreciate that. Um, head over to the website, www.bigreboxpodcast.com. You can listen to all of the previous episodes and all of that stuff on there. And you can also link off to the social stuff and like us and follow and so on. And you can also subscribe on iTunes. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you could give us a rating and a review, that would be also fantastic. That really helps us out a lot. Uh, Also check out Adam's stuff. He has his own channel, The Geek's Handbag. That's it. Over on YouTube and Facebook, just do a search for The Geek's Handbag. You can't miss him. I shall be vlogging. You know I'm off to this Phantom event this weekend. Yes. I shall be vlogging it. Nice one. Yeah, and I've just remembered... uh, Obviously, Tom Baker's at this event, so I'm looking forward to meeting him again. But Philip Hinchcliffe oh. has been added to the list, and I've never met him. Okay. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to that, rather appropriate after this review as well. So, yeah, nice one. Yeah, so I'll try and get it on film if they let me film. If they let you. They should do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully. Sure. Yeah. If not, I'll just be filming for a window saying, see that blurry <laughs> dot in the background? That's 
That's Philip Shanksclift, that is. <laughs> Rightio. All good stuff. We will see you guys next week. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh... Uh...